Father, we're thankful for Calvary. What a day that was. The day you redeemed mankind from our sins. We thank you. We just celebrated Good Friday, Resurrection Sunday, Lord, and it was a sad day, but it was a good day because we all would be lost if our Savior didn't love us so much that he demonstrated his great love towards us. Even while we were his enemies, he came, he died, he paid the price for our sins. Thank you, Lord, for Calvary. Thank you for covering it all. Thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for the revelation of Christ in our life. And thank you, Father, again, for the administration and setting this thing all up from Genesis 3.15 until the end of Revelation, Lord. It's all been dictated. It's all been done by you. It's all been administrated, and it will come to pass. And we thank you, Lord. Lord, let us see beautiful things in your word here tonight. And to you be the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated, church. Ralph and Debbie, we're glad you're here from New Jersey. Thank you. Bless us with your presence. Praise the Lord. I just wanted to tell you before we get into our message, you can uh, we got the new uh, daily breads in the back. Just came in a couple days ago, so you know, pick one up. And there's last last uh, edition too back there. So, um, hey Bill, would you pass these out, please? These are little flyers, and if there's any left, just put them on the back table or give them to me after. But turn to Genesis chapter 22. I'm going to read from the King James Version tonight, okay? Genesis 22, for those of you who don't know that chapter, that's the chapter where Isaac was taken up into Mount Moriah by his father Abraham to be, to be killed for the, for the burnt offering. And we're going to see the beautiful picture, and we know why Abraham's one of the fathers of our faith, okay? So this is uh, chapter 22. I'm going to read to the, about the 14th verse, and then we'll tackle a few verses after that. And it came to pass after things, after these things, that God did tempt Abraham. That word tempt is really test, okay? Abraham, and he said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here am I, and he said, Take now your son, thine only son, Isaac, whom you love, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes, and he saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto the young man, Men, abide ye here 
with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and the knife, and he took the fire in his hand and the knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto his father Abraham and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. And so they went, both of them together. And they came to the place which God had told them of, and Abraham built an altar, and he laid the wood in order, and bound Isaac his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out forth his hand, and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord spoke unto him, saying, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest me, seeing that thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, be a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. That's a important verse there, the end of chapter of verse 14. In the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. It's yet future. That means it's yet future. And in the mount of the Lord, it's going to be seen. This is going to be revealed in detail, Abraham is saying, because he's a prophet. He's saying this is going to be revealed in detail in the future. Right now, we're at for about 1400 B.C., which is about 3,500 years back in time. But he's telling you that there's going to come a time when in the mount of the Lord, and we know that from Scripture, Second Chronicles 3 1 tells us that that is the mountain of Moriah where Solomon built the temple to the Lord. It happens to be the same place that Jesus was crucified or where the temple was built. It's either Mount Calvary or it is the temple site. Now, in this chapter, what's going to be seen? You're going to see Abraham as a type of father. You're going to see Isaac as a type of son. So you're going to see a picture. Well, what is a, a typology? Well, this is a typology. It's a parallel. It's a beautiful picture that God's going to paint. A typology is an Old Testament, an Old Testament um, event that details a New Testament truth. It's an Old Testament event that 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 tells you of a New Testament truth. So that's what we're going to see here. In the Old Testament, we're going to see that the, the uh, event that is yet future, according to verse 14, okay? 
and that is the New Testament truth. And on this mountain, there's going to be a sacrifice made, a burnt offering made unto the Lord. And Abraham, again, has no idea where he's going. He's in Beersheba. He's, the Lord told him to go to the mountains of Moriah. He went to Mount, mountain of Moriah. It took him three days to get there. And there's significance in that three days. Because God told Abraham, and it was in verse 3, to take your son, your only son, and offer him as a sacrifice. Well, God took his son, his only son, and offered him as a sacrifice on this mountain, mountain range called Moriah. So Abraham here is a type of father, and Isaac is a type of son. Now it came to pass after these things, this is verse 1, that God tested, this is the new King James, says, tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here am I. And he said, take now your son, your only son, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him here as, there as a burnt sacrifice on one of the mountains, which I will tell you which I will tell you. It says there also, take your son, your only son. And you've heard me say it, if you've been listening to me at all over the years, you know, only son? We know that Abraham had a son by Hagar the Egyptian. His name was Ishmael. But you notice here that since Ishmael is the son of the flesh, God doesn't even count that. He doesn't even count Ishmael as a son in the spiritual side of things. Of course, you're going to find out that God blesses Ishmael because he is Abraham's seed, but he's the seed of the flesh. But Isaac is the seed of the promise of God, okay? The seed of the promise of God. So take him and offer him as a burnt offering. Whom you love. Now, the King James, the new King James says, whom you love, and, um, and the King James says, um, I forget what it says here, but it's not love, but it's used that way. But if it is translated love, it's, um, I'm looking on the wrong verse, that's why. Now take your son, your only son, whom thou lovest. Yes, it is. On verse 2 of chapter 22, he lovest. And love here is the first time it's mentioned in the Bible. You say, big deal, big deal. But do you realize that the first time love is mentioned in the Bible, it's talking about a father and a son relationship. Do you see that? That's beautiful when you think about it. Love is mentioned, and God's saying, listen, I love my son so much, and Abraham loves his so much, his son so much. Abraham is being tested in this area because Isaac is the greatest of his affection. It's the, greatest, it's the greatest thing that could bring Abraham into idolatry. Abraham knew God well enough, as far as I'm concerned, to believe that God would not have him sacrifice his son. But yet Hebrews tells us, chapter 11, that, that Abraham knew that even if God allowed him to slay him, he, would, he was able to raise him up. So, we see that. In this here, offer him up as one of the mountains, which I will tell you. And Abraham rose up early in the morning. Notice that he didn't take, waste any time. He did exactly what God said. There's no procrastination here. He saddled up his ass and took two young men with him. And Isaac, his son, 
And Isaac says it claved the wood. He carried the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went into the, uh, the place where God had told him to go. You On your flyer, you have all these ten spiritual parallels here. God, number one, God told Abraham to offer his son as a, uh, a burnt offering. Let me tell you, the minute God told Abraham to offer his son, that very minute, he considered Isaac as good as dead. Because God spoke. It doesn't matter if you believe it. It settles it. God spoke, it's, that's it. It settles it. You know, it's going to be done. Abraham knew God so well that if God said, take your son, your only son, and offer him a sacrifice, Abraham, Isaac was dead at that point, continually dead. But it took him three days to get there, right, before the, before the, uh, the sacrifice. So that's an important thing. It was three days. You know, as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish, so the Son of Man will be in the, the, the belly of the, the, in the earth three days and three nights. So we know all that, okay? Um, that's very important. Three days is significant because, let's see, what is it? Leviticus chapter 1, verses 1 through 9 tell you what the burnt, what the burnt offering is all, all about. Moses gave instructions for the burnt offering in that passage, First Leviticus 1, 1 through 9. Here's what he was to do. He was to take a male animal, okay, without blemish, we know that the Lord Jesus was without blemish. He had to offer him voluntarily. Abraham voluntarily offered his son. God voluntarily offered his son to us. Um, number two, he had to be offered. Uh, number three, he had to be killed. The son had to be killed. The lamb had to be killed. The ram had to be killed. The animal, it says. It doesn't say lamb, ram, or whatever, but it says the animal. In Leviticus 1, 1 through 9. Okay? He had to be killed, and the blood was to be sprinkled on the altar. And then he was to be cut in pieces and washed com completely and then burned. Can you imagine Abraham doing this to his son? Abraham knew God wasn't the father. God wasn't going to allow him to do that. He knew it. And he didn't, you know, he trusted God to, for the ultimate test. And Abraham rose up, I told you, in the morning, saddled his ass and took his son Isaac and two young men with him and, and clave the wood to the burnt offering. And he rose up and went into the place in which God had told him. Let me read you verse 3 in, in the New King James. And Abraham rose up in the morning and saddled his donkey and took his two young men with him and Isaac his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and went to the place which God had told him. And the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place far off. And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the lad will go yonder and worship and we'll, we will come back to you. You see the significance of that? He said, Three days had passed. According to the scriptures, the lamb had to be put away for, had to be chosen for three days and on the fourth day sacrificed. So we see that the sacrifice is going to be on the fourth day, okay, for the, for the uh, lamb. He took his offie, um, he, he, and he, 
Stay, he told the young man, stay here with the donkey, and Lad and I will go yonder and worship, and he will, we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood and the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac. That's important. The wood is laid on Isaac. What's the wood represent? The wood represents the cross of Jesus Christ. We know that Jesus, you know, uh, bare, bore the cross. Mark 15, 21, and two other passages in the Gospels tell you that the wood was laid on, on Jesus. The cross was laid on Jesus, and he carried it, and he fell three times, you remember right. And then the Roman soldiers took Simon of Cyrene and, and uh, had him carry the cross for Jesus. Isaac is carrying the wood. You see the relationship? The son is carrying the cross of the wood of the burnt offering. Um, the fire, take, he had the fire in his hand. He took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two went together. The fire represents judgment. You know, you know that um, the fire represents judgment. If you go to uh, chapter, I'm going to turn to John chapter 12, verse 31 and 32. John chapter 12, verse 31 and 32. Now judgment, which is represented by the fire, of this, this world shall, now is the judgment of this world, and now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And if I be lifted up, that's on the cross, from the earth, I will draw all, and then you see in parentheses your word men, unto me. Men is not there in the original manuscripts. There is no men there. Therefore, that, I'm not saying, you know, it wasn't in the original scripture, so therefore it is not scripture. The context here is judgment. So here's the way it should read, really. If I be lifted up from the earth, Jesus is saying this, this is Jesus talking, I will draw all judgment to myself. So all your judgment, the fire represents judgment, and all your judgment for your sin was laid upon Jesus at the cross. He isn't drawing all men to himself. He would certainly love to. Listen, remember, I'm not changing Scripture. This word men is not in any of the manuscripts. None. Therefore, the, the context, was it's taken out of context. So if you add, you know, verse 11 or 31 says, Now is judgment of this world has come. And the prince of this world will be cast out, and we know that he was cast out. This is judgment, and that judgment is for your sins. It's going to be laid upon, upon Jesus. Now I'm going to go back to Genesis chapter uh, 22. So Isaac is to be sacrificed, and God provided himself. Verse 8, verse 8, I'm going to read, but Isaac, oh, this is verse 7, but Isaac spoke to his father and said, my father, my father, and he said, here am I, my son, and he said, look, the fire, we got the judgment, the fire is judgment, and the wood, which is laid on Isaac, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And here's one of the most beautiful 
verses in the scripture, verse 8 of chapter 22. And Abraham said, my son, this is the King, this is the King James Version. And Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. You know, this, you, this is only in the King James Version, okay? Listen. Listen to this clearly. My son, God will provide himself a lamb. And don't we know from John chapter 1, verse 29, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Do we read the same thing in Isaiah chapter 53? Not the same thing, but we find out that he's going to be led as a sheep to the slaughter. A beautiful picture of, of something that's going to be revealed according to 14. In the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. That is an important, we can only find that translated that way in the King James Version, which to me is the, uh, is the uh, crux of Scripture. And they came to the place which God had told them of, and Abraham built an altar, and he laid the wood in order, and he bound his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Don't take that verse, those verses lightly. Listen. Isaac is not a five-year-old boy. Listen, he's a hundred years old when he had Abraham had Isaac. Okay? Sarah lived to be 127 years old. She was 90 years old. The boy is definitely under, under the submission of his father. But he, a period of time has passed from probably 15 to 20 years. He's most likely a teenager, or at the most, as far as I'm concerned, 23 years old. He could easily have taken over and said, Dad, I'm not going to let you do this. I'm not going to let you do this. But listen to him. He willingly let his father tie him up and bind him and lay him on an altar. Don't take the faith of Isaac lightly. Now you know why it's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You know, Isaac was a man of God. He was trained by his dad to love God all the days of his life. From the day he, from when he was conceived in the womb until now, he was probably somewhere around 15 to 23 years old. He could have easily overtook his dad, who would have been 115 years old, and just said, no way, Dad, I'm not doing it. And he didn't. Doesn't that tell you? What Jesus did, even while we were yet sinners, he was willing to die for us, Romans 5, 8. Very beautiful pictures in this chapter. Now, it said, it came to the place where, and he laid the wood. Now, they, these, this, he came to the, he was told to go to Moriah. That's where he went. Now, the mountains of Moriah run from the southwest to the northeast. And when they came to a certain mount, which usually is the highest mount in the area, God told him that's where he's going to sacrifice Isaac. We also know that Calvary, which he sang about here tonight, okay, is the highest point, you know, in, in the mountains of Moriah, which is where the sacrifices were usually offered. So I'm thinking that, you know, where Jesus was crucified is the exact place where Isaac 
was to be offered up as a lamb for the slaughter. And then Solomon built the temple there, Second Chronicles chapter 3, verses 1. Because that's where Solomon built the temple. And that's the only time it's mentioned in the Bible, this specific point, Second Chronicles 3, 1. We know that it's, it's that place. Um, Abraham built the altar. Now we're, remember, it took three days to get there. Now he's building the altar probably on the fourth day. If you go to Exodus chapter 12 and verse 3, you'll find out that the sheep were prepared for three days prior and offered on the fourth day. That's what it's told to, we're told to do. Jesus submitted to his Father's will just like Isaac, well, Isaac submitted. Remember, this is a beautiful picture of, of in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. Where is the mount of the Lord? Jerusalem. It's the mount of the Lord. It's going to be seen in Jerusalem. It's being pointed out 1,400 years before it ever happened. 1,400 years. You say that God don't know what's going on from generation to generation. God crosses over. We as human beings do not. Abraham laid on Isaac on the altar, and God, you know, God sacrificed what his dearest son also, if you, were, you recall, Take my son, my own, your only son, and offer him as a burnt offering. Here's God offering his son, Jesus Christ, to us as a burnt offering, you know, for our sin. And all the judgment is going on to Jesus Christ, according to John chapter 12, verse 31 and 32. Okay? Um, so God sacrificed that his dearest thing, take, you know, he said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The question is, you know, in this verse you see that, you know, it says that, that he, he told his young men, me and my son are going to go, but we'll be back. That's faith talking talking there. Why did I want to say that? Because um, and he says, he says, I'm, me and the lad are going to go worship the Lord. So what does he do? He goes to worship the Lord. Worship also in that passage is the first time it's mentioned in the Bible. And I know we today, we think worship is praise songs and, and, uh, and um, worship and we call it worship and we call it um, what else we call it? Um, praise. But the truest, here's the truest form of worship, according to this verse, the first time it is mentioned, is, is your submission to the Father. Your, far, your, your most beautiful act of worship is submission to the Father. That's number one. Then the rest of it, the, the praise and the worship that we sing, you know, but the truest form of worship is to be submitted to the Father. Like Isaac was submitted to his father, Abraham. Like Jesus was submitted to his father, uh, Almighty God. Okay, where are we? Verse um, 9, 10. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him 
out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not your hand upon the lad, neither do anything unto him. For now I know that you fearest God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. See, God was testing Abraham. Do you really love me? Do you really love me? Do you really know me? Because if you love me, you're going to know me. You're going to know me. He knew that God wasn't going to let him. I'm convinced he knew that God wasn't going to let him sacrifice. But God took him down to the 11th hour and the 59th minute before he said, do no harm to your son. So here we go, verse 13. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering instead of his son. Let me ask you a question. How many times have you seen a deer, a buck, get his horns caught in the thickets? Never. I wonder that all the time. You got some of these deer that are, are, where I'm from in Pennsylvania, the deer are pretty big. They can go anywhere from 130 to 200 pounds, okay? And some of them are eight-point bucks and 12-point bucks, and I'll tell you what, they run through the thickets, and their horns don't even get hung up. Now we got a ram here, a ram. Because stuck in the thicket just happens to be where Abraham's to sacrifice his son. I mean, if you don't think that God put that ram there, you've got another thing coming. Listen, this is not a lamb. This is a ram, okay? Leviticus chapter 1, verse 1 through 9, tells us it's an animal. It doesn't say what kind of animal. It could have been a, could have been a steer. It could have been uh, a lamb. It could have been a ram, okay? What is a ram? Well, it's a, it's a, um, a male lamb. That's what it is. It's a male ram, a mountain goat. So he's stuck in the thicket. So Abraham knows exactly what to do at that point. There's the animal for the sacrifice. He goes over and he gets the animal and he offers that animal up as a sacrifice. Now we can see here the faith of Abraham and Isaac. These men were loaded with faith. And Isaac's just a boy. Remember, Abraham was a heathen. When he was, when he, God spoke to him. Now his son is following God because Abraham is teaching him right. He trained up his child in the way he should go before this verse was even written. And when he was old, he didn't depart from it. Because we know that Isaac is written in the, the 11th chapter of Hebrews as a man of God. Okay. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah Jireh. And you know what that is. You sing the song, the Lord will provide. And what did God provide on this mountain? He provided the lamb for the sacrifice. And what did he do for us on that same mountain? He provided the lamb for the sacrifice. The lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. You know, my dad and mom... We were down in the Keys. My dad had a place down in Marathon Key at the end before the Seven Mile Bridge. 
And I used to go down there uh, quite a lot. Every other week with my kids and uh, go down and see Dad. We'd go fishing because he was right on the water. And uh, for 18 years, my dad fought me about, about Jesus. And one day when we were down there, we're talking, and Dad's getting softened up by the Lord. You know, he knew he was a sinner now, you know, because other people told him and not just me. You know, he, he finally said to me, you know, he wanted, to, he wanted me to explain something to him. And he told me, you know, he, he didn't understand this passage. You know, he was raised Roman Catholic, right? So the Lamb of God's an important thing in, that, in the Catholic Church, okay? And Dad was saying, I don't get it. I don't get it. Explain the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And I sat down there with my mom and my dad for, I don't know, an hour or whatever. And, and I told him about it. And my dad finally understood. He finally understood the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And he said to me, how do you know this? He said, because I read the Bible, Dad. I read the Bible. You know what? Jesus is the Lamb of God, takes away your sins. You find out you're a sinner. He used to tell me, I don't need, I'm a, I'm a good guy. I don't need saved. But now he was coming to the point where he could, he realized that he does did he say he said to me these words he said i looked back over my life and you were right i wasn't such a good guy after all <laughs> and i knew god was speaking to him there and before that you know i got to explain this to my mom and dad how important this is and look at in that verse 14 you know and abraham called the name of the place jehovah jireh what i did is i told dad god has provided the lamb for the sacrifice jesus is the lamb of god who takes away your sins of the world if you believe in him you will be saved and your sins will be washed away and you can now enter the kingdom of heaven clean because your sins have been washed away by the precious blood of the lamb of god who who shed his his blood for us and then it says in as it is said to this day, in the mouth of the Lord it shall be seen. So out there, for all of you out there right now, it's, it, you, can, you see it right here, right now on the 22nd chapter. It's also spelled out more clearly in Isaiah chapter 53. It's also spelled out more clearly in Psalm 22, what Jesus has done for us. Let me read uh, Isaiah chapter 53 for you so that you can see that, you know, this what God has really done for us. Isaiah chapter 53. Who hath believed our report? Do you believe this report today? And to whom has the hour of the Lord been revealed? I'm hoping the Lord revealed this to you as I'm teaching. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry land. He has no form of comeliness. That means that Jesus did not look like Brad Pitt or one of those beautiful men that you know that, uh, that's on the front cover of the most eligible single in the world, the best looking man in the world. Jesus had, he was just a regular guy. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He was just an average guy. He was despised and rejected by men. He was a man of sorrows. 
he was acquainted with grief, and we hid as we were our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath bore our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did not esteem him stricken, stricken, smitten of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. God demonstrating his love toward us, even while we were his enemies, Christ he sent to die for us, and he did it. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has bore our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did not esteem him, stricken and smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded. Now he's getting into the infliction on the cross. Affliction on the cross. But he was wounded for our transgressions or our sins, and he was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. Listen. Remember when I translated John chapter 12, verse 31 and 32? This verse backs it up. He was bruised for our iniquities. See, all of, our, all of the judgment for our sin came upon him. That's why that verse is not, you can't take that translated or that, that added word, men, that's in italics in your Bible. And some of the Bibles today, I'm really upset. Because some of the Bibles today, they take away those verses that show the italic word. And they make it sound like scripture. You, you put that word men in there and you, you zap the power out of that verse. You zap the power out of the verse. And it takes all focus off of Jesus and puts it on men. We can't do that. The whole thing is about judgment. That's the context, and that means all judgment, not men, is going to fall upon Jesus on the cross. So when I got saved and you got saved, all the judgment for the sins that we had, past, present, and future, were put on Jesus Christ, and he took them, and he paid the full price for our sins. That's why it's so important. These new translations I'm getting upset with because they do those things like that. They miss those important things. And even the King James in some of them uh, does make it part of the verse when it's not that way. You take that away, you zap the power out of the verse. The power that Jesus took our sins. And now not that if I be lifted up, I will draw. So if this church lifts up Jesus, he's going to draw all men into this place. We've been here seven and a half years, and I don't see all men here. You know, because it's judgment. That was the context judgment. You know, you know and, uh, and by his stripes we are healed. You look up the word healed there. Healed is talking about physical, emotional, and spiritual healing. Deliverance. Some verses that's translated deliverance. Okay? You can be healed physically according to the scriptures. By the stripes of Jesus, we are healed. And Peter in 2 Peter, I believe it is first 2.24, it's either 1st or 2nd Peter 2.24, it says, by the stripes of Jesus, we were healed, referring back to Jesus' crucifixion, which was 2,000 years ago. We've got to get our, our stuff together 
and in the church and really put these things together. By the stripes of Jesus, you are healed. Jesus never turned anybody down for healing. Jesus doesn't throw lightning bolts. That's Zeus. It's Jesus heals whoever. The leper in Matthew chapter 8, I believe it is, verse 1, he says, Jesus said, what can I do for you? And he said, I know that if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus said, I am willing. And he did it. Never did he turn a single soul down. So I'm not going to steal your hope from you tonight. You can pray. And by the stripes of Jesus, you are healed. And if you have, if by faith, and if you're living the scriptures, if you're backed up with all the other things, you, you've confessed your sins, you, uh, you forgive people, um, you treat your spouse well, and a whole bunch of other things, you know, then God will answer that prayer. It's contingent on those many, many things, okay? Verse 6, which is my dad and mom, all we like sheep have gone astray. A sheep goes astray. You know, we have turned to our own ways. But the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. That Doesn't that back up John chapter 12, verse 31, 32? He laid on him all our transgressions, all our iniquity. On Jesus just backs up. You know, John chapter uh, 12, verse 31, 32. I don't, don't misunderstand me on that verse. I did not change scripture. I took the word out that wasn't there in the manuscripts and eliminated it and put the context in it. God laid on the Lamb of God all the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, Jesus. He was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Isaac didn't open his mouth. You didn't hear Isaac put up a fight with his dad, did you? You didn't hear Jesus put up a fight in the garden with his dad either, did you? He said three times, remove this cup from me if you can. And the Lord Father said, they can't be removed. And Jesus said, thy will be done. That's it. And it was done. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off of the land of the living. In other words, this lamb, this sheep is going to be cut off. He's going to be killed. For the transgression of my people, he was smitten. Jesus was smitten for our sins. For our sins, he was smitten. Not for the guy next door. God's concerned about you individually. Yes, the guy next door can have forgiven us too, but God's concerned about each and every one of you that are listening over the internet right now, or those of you listening here. He, this is done for you, for the people, all people that are willing to believe. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in death. He was crucified besides murderers and thieves. And his grave was with the with the uh, rich. And don't we know from the Gospels that Jesus was, was buried in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea, who was carved out of the rock, which is only for rich men that could afford to carve out of a rock their, their eternal resting place. Joseph of Arimathea gave his tomb to Jesus. It was dirty. It was filthy. 
And whenever Jesus was resurrected, that tomb was returned to him. It was beautiful. It smelled like frankincense, incense, and myrrh. What a beautiful day that was. It was dark and dingy, and Resurrection Sunday, it was bright, filled with the glory of God. He was, he was with the wicked in death and with the rich in the, in, you know, he was with the wicked in the grave and the rich when his death because he had done no violence and neither was there any deceit in his mouth. That's another word of saying he sinned not. Jesus. Chapter 22 of Psalms. Chapter 24, the words of Jesus on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why art thou so far from my helping and from my words of my roaring? And we know those are the last words of Jesus. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I used to bother me. That used to bother me. Jesus always saw his father. But when he died on the cross and all your sin, my sin, past, present, future was thrown upon him, his father turned his face from him. That was worse for him than what, anything that he was beat up about. The, the whipping, the crowning of thorns, the, the uh, nailing onto the cross. You know what? That was nothing compared to his father turning his face from him. He Remember, they were together from eternity past. It's the first time his father turned his back on him because all the darkness of our sin, even the, even the earth quaked. It was mourning the death of the Messiah as the blood poured upon the ground. The sky got dark and there was lightning and thunder. And even the veil in the temple was torn in too. The resting place on the Ark of the Covenant where the presence of God dwelled was set free throughout the temple. And Jesus told us in John chapter 2, this is the temple of God. He said, you destroy this temple and in three days I'll raise it up. And the Jews said, we took 42 years to build this temple. You're going to raise it up in three days? You see, Jesus just switched it from carnal to spiritual. And of course, we know Later on, in Corinthians, Paul writes, Don't you know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? So now the Holy Spirit who rested in the Ark of the Covenant now rests in us who believe. And as he leads us from our, from our heart, the job of the Ark of the Covenant, the job of the people to follow the Ark, is, is a job, is, its job is to follow. And that's our job. Those of you who have Jesus Christ in your heart, the Holy Spirit has come in. Your responsibility is to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul said, you know, follow me as I follow Christ. But Jesus also said that. So listen, we need to follow God. When, the, when, the, when our hearts swelled up, you know, with, with the presence of the Holy Spirit, because the temple of God is saturated, it's time for us to follow the Lord and, and everything. I may tell all my bones, they are out. May I tell all my bones, they look and stare upon me. 
They pierced my hands and my feet. Sound familiar? They part my garments among them, and they cast lots for them. Remember, Jesus' tunic was one strand. It was a very valuable commodity. They were casting lots, the soldiers, for who's going to get that vesture. It's all recorded. Psalms was written about, I think it's seven or 750 B.C. Crucifixion wasn't even invented yet. It wasn't invented till somewhere around 550, 60 B.C. By the Persians, I believe it was. And Rome perfected it, got it down to a science. This is written in the scriptures. There's no doubt about it, church, people out there that don't know Jesus. Jesus Christ is Lord. You see it in Genesis chapter 22, a beautiful picture of it. It's recorded in Isaiah 53. It's recorded in, in uh, Psalm 22. And so I also saw Isaiah 54. There's a bunch of passages. And it's recorded in all of the Gospels. We have to understand and know that Jesus Christ is the Lord. There's no doubt about it. They part my gestures. They cast loss for my vestures. But be not thou far from me, O Lord. O stretch out. O my strength. Haste thee to help me. Deliver my soul from the sword, my darling, from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth, for thou hast heard me from the horns of the unicorns. Wow. Uh-oh. It's a whole other subject. Listen, if you don't believe Jesus Christ is Lord now, I think you're hard-hearted. And you know what? Hard-hearted is a sad place to be. you got to know. It says, in the mouth of the Lord it shall be seen. Look, let me just refer to this again and we'll end. Number one, God told Abraham to offer up his son. He did it. He went to offer him up, but God saved him, you know, by the ram caught in the thicket. The other parallel, wood was laid on Isaac's back, just like the cross of wood was laid on Jesus' back. Fire represents the judgment. God was judging sin at Calvary. And God said that he is going to provide himself a sacrifice or the, for the bone offering. God himself became the sacrifice. See how important that verse is? Genesis chapter 22, 1,400 years before it ever happened. Isaac is to be sacrificed, but God provided himself. Number five, Abraham built an altar and prepared for it. Okay? Um, number six, Abraham binds Isaac. You can't miss the faith of both of these men in that passage. Isaac didn't fight his dad and say, I'm going down from this mountain. No way. He let his dad tie his hands, and he let, you know, he let his dad sacrifice him if that's what it took. Listen, the Bible tells us that we are living sacrifices. The problem with a living sacrifice is we can get off the altar. Isaac made no attempt, as far as we see, to get off the altar. My faith. Do we have faith like this today? Whew. I'm lacking. I wish I did. I wish I did.
Number seven, Abraham laid Isaac on the altar. The thing that he most loved, and same thing with God, God sent his only begotten son. Remember when Jesus was baptized, he said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Number eight, the ram took Isaac's place. A male sheep took your place on the cross. All you got to do is believe. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Number nine, Isaac lives because of the Lamb. And Jesus said, because I, the Lamb, live, so shall you. John 14, 12. Because I live, you can live also. Number 10, all this was performed on Mount Moriah, which just happens to be where Solomon built the temple of God, 2 Chronicles 3.1. And that's where Jesus was crucified. But don't stop there, because three days later, he was risen he is risen, just as it said, and he's alive here today. And if any of you need Jesus, the altar's open here. If anybody here uh, needs to know Jesus or receive Christ or even recommit their life to the Lord, do it. For those of you out there, you just got to call upon the name of the Lord with all your heart. Repent of your sins. Ask Jesus to come into your heart, and you will be saved. But you have to do it with all your heart. Because God doesn't want your head knowledge. He wants your heart. God doesn't look at the outward appearance. He looks at your heart. He doesn't care what your mind's saying. He cares what your heart is saying. So do it. And it'll be the greatest day ever. I remember the words of a father of a good friend of mine. He said this. You give your life to Jesus and you'll never go wrong. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, we bless, bless this message to our heart. To you be the glory for it all, Lord. And I hope and pray, Lord, that some people out there receive Christ as their Savior or renewed their commitment to you. Because you said, in the mouth of the Lord it shall be seen. And Father, I just you're, you just opened up that whole passage to us here tonight. To you be the glory for it all. In Jesus' holy name. Amen and amen. For those of you online, tune in on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Okay? God bless you all. I love you.